Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Good morning. I want to give you a reminder of a couple of things right before we jump in uh, to the message. Uh, one, I want to thank you for all the book bags being gone. The last two uh, went out at the end of the first service this morning. So if you have uh, taken a book bag with you uh, to support the children in their uh, education this coming year in Guatemala, please remember to bring those back because we have to uh, uh, send Brandon Brand be going down there with the funds to help buy the supplies. So please remember and uh, bring those uh, bags back. Also, I want to remind you that uh, next Sunday, uh, being Christmas Sunday, we're going to have one uh, worship service at 1030. Uh, so you might want to get here early and kind of sit toward the middle, make room for people around the sides. The children are going to be with us also. Uh, so we're going to design the service a little bit different. I'll design what I do a little bit different since we'll have the children with us. Uh, and just wanted to uh, ask you to, to remember uh, those things. Also, next week's our in gathering Sunday for our Christmas offering. Uh, you saw it in the uh, video that's been playing for a few weeks. We're going to be supporting uh, foreign missionaries through the International Mission Board and also church planning in North Carolina. Our goal is to raise at least $10,000. So please be praying about that and uh, remember next Sunday and come prepared uh, t- to give. Uh, one other thing I want to be sure, and with well, two other things uh, I want to mention real quick. Uh, one is at the end of the service today, as we had announced, uh, we need to have a short business meeting to adopt our budget for the coming year. Uh, there are copies that we've made available of the proposed budget uh, for you to consider. So uh, please uh, remember to uh, stay behind when we do our offering at the end. Uh, please stay behind. Don't leave until we take care of that. Uh, and also, uh, a lot of you... I've probably already heard this, but uh, John and Cindy Howard uh, lost their home over in Granada Farms this past week due to a house fire. And uh, we have already been trying to do some things to minister to them. Uh, youth are your giving, equipped us to where we could give them a, a, a fairly large uh, gift card to Belks where they could go and get some clothing because they had lost their clothing there. Uh, but we also prepared a list. We had some people help uh, yesterday. John moved some items. We also prepared a list uh, showing sizes and things that they can use. Uh, these copies are available also out in the hallway on the table uh, there. So stop by and avail yourself to that. Be praying for them. Uh, we'll be doing some other things like some love offerings and, and all as we get the chance. Uh, also, um, John told me that if anyone's free and if you don't know how to reach John. If you'll get in touch with me, I can give you John's phone number. But he's got some items that have been moved from the house to his office in Hickory, and he could use some job, uh, some help kind of cleaning those things off this afternoon uh, and doing a little bit of cleanup work. So if you could help him with that, uh, please uh, let me know, let him know, and, uh, and I can get you uh, in, in touch with him and, and, and schedule a time. Okay? Everybody ready for Christmas? Okay. We have a, uh, what may seem like it's a very strange topic uh, for the Sunday before Christmas. I don't really think it is, and I'll explain that in a moment. 
Uh, unless God leads me otherwise, today's the last Sunday in the series that we've been doing entitled The Bible Doesn't Say That. And we've just been dealing with several uh, misnomers, things that people believe the Bible says, and the Bible doesn't actually teach those things. Uh, so uh, today, unless God were to lead me to pick it back up on the other side of Christmas Sunday, I'm still kind of debating that a little bit. Uh, this this probably our last Sunday, though, in, in, in this series. The topic we're dealing with this week is this. The Bible doesn't say that if a person commits suicide, they instantly go to hell. Uh, I know that sounds like a very difficult topic for any Sunday, especially maybe the Sunday before Christmas. Over my years in the ministry, and also my years in law enforcement, I've had regrettably, tragically, opportunities to have to be in situations to where suicides have taken place. Um, I I know the week before Christmas sounds like an odd time, but statistics show that during the Christmas season, many people are very depressed and and many people are very discouraged. Maybe it's because they they invested a lot of false uh, hopes and expectations of Christmas all through their life and it never lived up to what they thought it would be, or maybe because of family situations or finances or whatever. But a lot of people uh, can wrestle with being very depressed during this time of year. Also, over my years in the ministry, I've I've bumped into a prevailing attitude that people have, and that's the topic that we're dealing with. It, It seemed like people have the understanding that if someone commits suicide, even if it's a Christian, that commits suicide, that somehow that changes the eternal destiny of that Christian, and and now they wind up being lost for all eternity. Uh, So we'll we'll deal with kind of two aspects of that, with what happens when a person uh, does commit suicide, is we're actually going uh, through, through the message. What I want you to do is please tune in your ears really closely and hear what I'm about to say. I do not want anyone... Are you listening? I do not want anyone to listen to the message today and somehow think because our topic is the Bible does not teach that a person goes to hell instantly because they've committed suicide. I don't want anyone to hear that and think it's okay to leave from here and go and commit such an act. Are you listening to that? While I think the Bible does not teach that a believer... And we'll deal with two different aspects of this. But I do not believe the Bible teaches in any fashion that a Christian, if a Christian somehow in a deep, dark moment of their life commits suicide, I do not believe the Bible teaches that they lose their salvation. That being said, God forbid that anyone should go from this place and think it's okay. That's a viable way out of whatever circumstances you might be facing in, in your life. While I don't think the Bible teaches that a Christian committing suicide will go to hell, neither do I think the Bible teaches that that's God's purpose for you. That that is God's will for you. That, that somehow it would be okay for you to take your own life. What I do hope you leave with today is a reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus. And a reminder of why you ought to be able to make it through the difficult situations that you face in your life. We, we may have someone here today that might feel like their life's not worth living anymore. We, we may have someone here today that maybe has some loved ones that's wrestling with suicidal tendencies. 
And you have to deal with, with that, seeing the, the loved one wrestle with those thoughts. Some of you today may feel like your problems are too big to handle and you just don't see any way out of it all whatsoever. Some of you today tragically have had family members or friends to commit suicide and take their own life. And you're having to deal with those emotions within your own heart and within your own life. Some of you may feel like that nobody cares for you and nobody loves you, but I want to assure you of one thing. If you hear that being whispered in your ear, that is not of God, that is not from Jesus, that is right from the pit of hell, and that's Satan whispering in your heart trying to make you believe that nobody cares. I want to serve notice to you this morning, if no one else cares for you, Jesus does. And Jesus proved it by going to the cross. I also want to tell you, as far as I think I know my own heart and life, I love you. And I also want to tell you this, whether you understand it or you believe it or not, you have family members and friends who love you. You might not understand how much they do, and you might not be feeling it in the midst of whatever you're going through, but you need to understand something. There are people that love you and people that care for you. And, and you don't need to, to lose hope whatsoever in, in, in your life. One good reason to never ever commit suicide is because of what it does to your family members and your friends and the influence that you may have upon their life. If you've been here very long, uh, attended day three, some of you have heard me allude to my cousin, Pat Fortner. Pat was a pastor. He was a graduate of Liberty University. Pat wrestled with depression. I didn't realize how deep it was. The church that he was pastoring in Chattanooga, Tennessee, had sent him to the Mayo Clinic for counseling and, 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 and to try and see if they could help him some, somehow with all of the, of the depression he was facing. Pat preached a message that I have at home on audio tape on a Sunday about how to deal, how a Christian ought to deal with depression. And he said, as far as I could discern, anything that someone ought to be able to know and hear that can help you deal with depression in your life, in the very next Saturday, Pat took his life. He got up, he went jogging that morning, drove back home, his wife and children inside, pulled a handgun out in his car and took his life. And he was a pastor of a successful church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I, I was pastoring a family when I was in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, at a church there. And their 44-year-old son called his wife. He was a truck driver. called his wife. told her he loved her. called his driving partner. They drove together a long distance. And told him, I'll be there in a few minutes. He loaded up everything that he needed, all the things he would normally do as he was getting ready to go on a trip. He gave all the evidence in the world that he was actually going on this trip. And then he sat in his own driveway and he took his life. I've known two pastors to hang themselves on the church property. I've known of a pastor's wife who, when he pastored in another area, his wife took her life, and he now pastors actually in this county. It probably maybe perked your ears up when I told you about three pastors and a pastor's wife taking their life. Are we to assume that 
those pastors who, from all that I knew of them, loved Jesus with all their heart? Are we to assume because in some dark moment, and tragically they gave over to that temptation to take their own life, are we to assume that those three pastors and that pastor's wife somehow lost their eternal salvation because of the decision that they made? My cousin Pat and those two pastors and that pastor's wife all knew each other. And that's why I'm saying you never know what influence you may have upon somebody else. Because when that first pastor hung himself, a few years later in the same town that I was pastoring in Rocky Mount, a friend of his hung himself, both on the church property. Pat wound up taking his life. And then this pastor that they all knew and the pastor's wife took her life. That's why you need to be careful about the influence that you could give to someone else. And you need to be very careful yourself if you've had a loved one or a friend to commit suicide. Don't allow that to influence your life to where somehow you think that's a viable option. That that's some way out that you ought to take from the problems that you're having in your life. We should be really careful not to be too quick to condemn someone to eternal hell, ourselves, in our own mindset when someone has done a tragic thing such as take their life. I'm not the final judge and neither are you. It's not my prerogative to condemn to condemn someone to hell for all eternity. It's not your prerogative. It's not your job to do that. God help us that we would ever be insensitive to someone who's had a loved one or a family member or a friend to take their lives. For us to make it sound like to them, that means that that person instantly went to hell. Because we don't know about that person's relationship to Christ. I'm not the judge and neither are you. Amen? Now, that being said, we're going to ask some questions this morning, a couple of main questions to start with, and, and then I'm just going to kind of give you some reasons why you should never view suicide as a viable option. First question we're going to ask is, is simply this. What does the Bible say about suicide? Because the Bible doesn't come out and necessarily condemn suicide, and it doesn't say suicide is okay whatsoever. But the Bible does speak of suicide. In order to answer that question, we need to ask maybe some other questions. One is this, are there any suicides in the Bible? And the answer to that is yes, there are at least seven suicides in the Bible that we can point to and identify. And we don't have time to talk in detail about these. I'm not going to read these verses. You can read them later. But I'll I'll just read over some of the names of Imelech and Judges chose suicide to try and preserve somehow his own personal dignity. Samson in Judges died for a cause he believed in as he pulled those pillars down and killed the enemy of God's people because he was trying to get back at them and seek revenge. King Saul himself, because he was really discouraged and stressed out because he knew that he was losing the kingdom and he had guilt in his life and he had failed to live up maybe to expectations that other people had of him and he felt rejected and he felt like he was a failure. During a time of battle, he asked his sword bearer to help him fall upon his own sword and King Saul took his life. 
Instantly after that, in an impulse reaction, Saul's armor bearer did the same thing, wanting to die with his king. And he took his own life by falling upon his own sword in an impulse action. 40% of teenage suicides happen because of an impulse action. In, in, in a moment's notice, someone thinks and feels like that's what they, they have to do. Ahithophel in 2 Samuel 17, he was bitter because his advice was not followed and he took his life. Listen, you better be careful if you're going to think about suicide every time your advice is not followed. Amen? Zimri, he had a problem with rebellion. So because he had a problem with rebellion and authority, he wound up being filled with guilt and he takes his own life. And Judas, who was one of the original followers of Jesus, and many people will point to Judas because Judas took his own life as trying to give evidence of that being someone that was a believer who went to hell because they took their own life. Because they'll say, well, Judas was with Jesus for three years. He walked with Jesus for three years. He was the, the, the money bearer. He's, he's kind of like their accountant. He carried the, the, the bag of money for the disciples during that time. And he takes his life because on the other side of him selling Jesus out for silver, he winds up being very guilty on the other side of Jesus crucifying himself, or Jesus being crucified, and, 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 and Judas goes out and he hangs himself. And most theologians believe the way he did that was, was to impale himself. That was also a type of hanging in Jewish thought. So many theologians believe there's a sharp goat stick that was set up, and he threw himself upon it, and he took his life because he was so filled with guilt over what he had done to Jesus. And people will point at that and say, well, see, there gives us evidence of someone that was a follower of Christ and, and took their own life. But you see, the Bible doesn't ever teach that Judas was an authentic follower of Christ, that he really ever had faith in Jesus. Because here's what the Bible says in John is uh, Jesus giving his high priestly prayer. He said, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. This is before Judas committed suicide, before Jesus had been betrayed. Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. Some translations say perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that Judas never was authentic to begin with. Judas did not have real faith in Christ to begin with. It wasn't that Judas died lost because he was saved and he betrayed Jesus and he took his life. Judas died lost because he was always lost. Because he had never, ever trusted in Christ. Another question we need to ask is this. Because this is the mentality that some people have. We need to ask ourselves, is suicide an unforgivable sin? So some religions and even some Christians teach that suicide is an unforgivable sin. And there's no doubt that the act of killing yourself is a violation of the Sixth Commandment. We're told in the Bible, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not commit murder. It's what we're told in the Ten Commandments. And there's no doubt that someone taking their life is a violation of that. But think about this. Even Christians violate other parts of the Great Commandments. 
It might be lust. It might be a lie. It might be some other form of the Ten Commandments that we break. But do we ever teach that because someone breaks one of the other Ten Commandments that they instantly die lost and go to hell? And the answer to that is no, that is not what we teach and that's not what the Bible teaches. So why do we pull this thing out of, of murder and make that an unpardonable sin? Make that a sin that someone cannot be forgiven of. Augustine argued in the 5th century that suicide was a violation of the 6th commandment, and it is. But I think here's where people go wrong. Thomas Aquinas, and he was a Roman Catholic, he believed, and and most Roman Catholics do believe, that confession of sin must be made prior to departure from this world to the next. That's why you see in movies and things like that, if someone's been hit with a car or whatever, they're, 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 you know, go get the priest, or they're about to die of an illness, go get the priest so they can make their last confession. Because they believe if that doesn't happen, that the person doesn't make it into the presence of God. So that was the background training that, that Thomas Aquinas had. And he taught that suicide was the most fatal of all sins because the victim could not repent of it. But think about this. There are people who die that have sin in their lives, who have sin in their lives because they're not spiritually mature enough to recognize that something was a sin. The moment you're saved, you did not instantly understand everything that was right and wrong. You didn't instantly understand all the purposes of God in your life. And there are believers walking around that have sin in their life, and they don't even know it's a sin yet. And sometimes they die. Sometimes the believers will lose their lives with some sin in their life before they have the chance to confess that sin. Many people die with unconfessed sin, but does that mean that they're lost for all eternity? Another question we need to ask is this. Is suicide the unpardonable sin? Because the Bible actually speaks of an unpardonable sin. But suicide is not the unpardonable sin. A lot of people even misunderstand what Jesus was really teaching when he talked about the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit of God. A lot of people believe that means if we say something bad about God, or if we take God's name in vain, or somehow by our language we blaspheme the Holy Spirit of God, then that means that we're lost and we can't ever be saved. Or we're saved and we're lost because we blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's the mentality that some people have. But that's not what Jesus was teaching. In the passage where Jesus addresses this, the Bible said, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, and this is what they're saying about Jesus. He, Jesus, is possessed by Beelzebub, the the Lord of the flies, which is a terminology for Satan. And, And the scribes and the Pharisees, they were upset that the people were believing Jesus, following Jesus, that Jesus could do these amazing miracles that they could not do. So they came up with this excuse. He only does that by the power of Satan. He's not really doing that by the power of God. He is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons, he cast out demons. They're saying Jesus was performing the miracles by the power of the devil. Keep reading. And he called them to him, these that were saying it. And he said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But it's coming to an end. 
But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. What Jesus is saying is this. Jesus is saying the reason I can do these miracles is that I have authority over Satan and he is bound as far as Jesus is concerned. Because Jesus is God in the flesh with all power. Then he goes on. He said, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin, for they have said he has an unclean spirit. Now here's what Jesus is really teaching. Jesus isn't saying, if you think something bad, say something bad against the Holy Spirit, that means that you are eternally lost. What Jesus is saying is this, Think what the scribes had just done. They had attributed the work that Jesus was doing to the power of the devil. So in essence, they are reversing light in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, but they're claiming he's darkness. And they're claiming he's working out of the kingdom of darkness. So blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, I believe, is really this. It's when a person totally reverses light and darkness to where they believe what is good is really bad and what is bad is really evil. They have so reversed things in their mind that they can't even come under conviction anymore. And that's why it's a sin that leaves them eternally lost. But it is not suicide that Jesus is talking about here. The unparalleled sin is not suicide. The Bible nowhere specifically says or teaches that a person will go to hell for committing suicide. However, that being said, suicide is not what God wants for you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 tells us this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, that's really where the issue lies. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever's causing the depression, whatever's causing the darkness, whatever's causing the pain, the emotional struggle in your life, what you need to do is do this. You need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean to your own understanding. Don't start processing it yourself and think that's the way out. That's the way I can escape this. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And he will make straight your paths. Whatever it is you're facing in life, whatever discouragement, whatever depression, whatever's causing that pain in your life that makes you think, I think I just want to check out and end it all. What you need to do is this. You You need to acknowledge God in your life. You need to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and ask him and seek him for him to help give you the path to make it through it, whatever it is you're facing. Now, that being said, let's ask our second main question. What happens then when a person commits suicide? What happens when a person commits suicide? Do do all those that kill themselves go to hell? Some people believe that, but the Bible never says that's the case. The Bible does clearly teach that being condemned to hell is based upon a person's rejection of faith in Jesus. So a person going to hell after they commit suicide is not based upon the fact that they committed suicide. It's based upon whether they knew Jesus or not as their Savior. So if we're going to answer this question, what happens when a person commits suicide? We need to ask two more questions. What happens when a non-Christian, when an unbeliever commits suicide? 
Now, I don't even need to spend a lot of time with this. I should not because of what I preached last week if you were here. If someone dies lost, what happens to them? Tragically, they go to hell. So the Bible teaches what Jesus himself said. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, we read this verse last week, is condemned already. Why? Not because they committed suicide, not because they committed some other sin, but because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Jesus also said this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So a lost person, if they commit suicide, they go to hell not because they committed suicide. They go to hell because they never, ever, ever believed in Jesus. And that's really all I need to say about that. I think hopefully you're in agreement with that. Because it doesn't matter if a lost person died in an automobile accident. It doesn't matter if they died of some disease. If they die lost, they're separated from God for all eternity, tragically. So we do need to spend time talking about this, though, in detail. What happens when a Christian commits suicide? What happens when someone that is a believer commits suicide? From whatever method when a Christian dies, what happens? Whether it's self-inflicted or otherwise, what happens when when a Christian dies? And when a Christian, especially when they commit suicide. Some people argue, as I've already pointed out, that a Christian who commits suicide loses their salvation and goes to hell. They'll say that because they'll say, well, you couldn't ask God to forgive you after you committed a sin by killing yourself. So I'm going to say this two or three times this morning. We need to be very, very, very careful that we don't limit the blood atonement of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for all my sins that were past and all my sins that were future tense because I wasn't even alive yet. But God, in his omniscient wisdom, knew the sin that every human being would ever commit. And when Jesus suffered and bled on the cross, Jesus died for the sins of the world. And we have to appropriate what he did for us by faith, by believing in him. I could do something this morning that's a sin. Someone might be thinking, well, can you sin at church? Regrettably, you sure can. (laughs) I promise you, you can. I could do something this morning that was against God's will, it was a sin. Go get in my truck on my way home, be killed in a car wreck before I get home without having the chance yet to say, God, I'm sorry for what I did. Does that mean that I'm eternally lost because I didn't get a chance to ask God to forgive me? You see, it was already forgiven because Jesus died for it. And by faith in him, all of my sin was forgiven. It's all under the blood. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant exactly that. He meant he had paid everything necessary, done everything necessary for you and I to have eternal life by trusting in him. And that's why we need to be very, very careful that we think things or do things that limit the blood atonement. 
Some people will point to a scripture like this in Revelation 21. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, which would include killing yourself, murdering yourself, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns forever, which is the second death. And they'll point at that and they'll say, well, see there it says murderer. So if you commit suicide, that means that you are lost forever and you're cast into the lake of fire forever. Well, you need to read the rest of the Bible. Because we're also told in Corinthians a list of sins like that. And Paul said, such were some of you. After you receive Christ as your Savior, that's not who you are. That's not your identity as far as God is concerned. The moment you trust Christ as your Savior, instead of God seeing you, He sees the very righteousness and the very holiness of His own Son. Thank God through faith in Jesus, the holiness of God is imputed to my account. And that's like a banking term in the Greek. God put on deposit in my life His own righteousness, His own holiness. When God looks at me, He doesn't see me in the description of all those things. He sees Jesus in all of his perfection. And and if you're going to take the mindset that people do by saying, well, see, if you committed murder, if you kill yourself, that means you're lost, then use that same line of thought for everything that's said there. What about if someone on the other side of salvation has been cowardly? Does that mean they are thrown in the lake of fire? Because if you're going to take that line of thought about murder, you have to use the same thing here about being cowardly. What if someone on the other side of their salvation has been detestable? What if someone on the other side of their salvation has committed sexual sin or lust, uh, allowing something to be an idol maybe in their life that takes the place of God? What if someone is telling a lie on the other side of salvation? Does that mean that they are lost and they lose their salvation and they're now condemned to the lake of fire? No, it doesn't mean that. So people are completely taking this out of context when they look at what the Bible really says. The, the problem with the view that a Christian who commits suicide goes to hell is that it represents a gross misunderstanding of eternal security that the Bible clearly, clearly, clearly teaches that we are eternally secure in Christ. We, we looked at couple of these verses last week. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, we were told that we're saved by grace, not by works. It says, for by grace, not by your works, not by your goodness, not by your absence of committing suicide, but for grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift that you don't deserve, you can't earn. It's a gift from God. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast. We're told in Romans 8 that nothing can separate us as Christians from the love of of Christ, from the love of God. We're told this by Paul under divine inspiration. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That includes suicide. There's not anything that, that we can do once trusted Christ as our Savior to cause ourselves to be lost. The belief that a person taking their own life will cause them to lose their salvation limits the atoning sacrifice of Christ as though his sacrifice was insufficient, that Jesus didn't do enough. That's really what you're saying if you're trying to say, well, if a saved person commits suicide, that means that what Jesus did on the cross isn't enough, and now that person goes to hell. You have limited the the blood atonement, what Jesus did on the cross. 
Here's some other verses that teach assurance of salvation this morning. John chapter 5, verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. I asked this question last week. How long is everlasting life? It's forever. It's everlasting. And shall not come into judgment. You're not going to be brought into judgment and condemned, but it's passed from death into life. Jesus said this, and this is one of my favorite passages about eternal security. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is saying, when you have trusted Him as Savior, you are in the Father's hand. No one can take you out of the hand of Jesus. No one can take you out of the hand of God. There's not any sin that you can commit, including suicide, that's going to pluck you out of the hand of God. You can't do anything yourself. Satan can't do anything himself to ever pluck you out of God's hand once you've received Christ as Savior. You're eternally secure in the hand of God. People worry all the time, well, if I trust Jesus, maybe I can't hold on to him like I need to. Hey, that's fine. I can't either. Thank God he holds on to me. Amen? He has a grip that will not turn us loose. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Now look at the simplicity of this. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty cut and dried, isn't it? And then he goes on and he says, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Most of the time I don't pull this part of a verse out, but I want you to see this part of a verse in James chapter 2, verse 13, the second part of the verse. Thank God for this. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Man, what a powerful word. That God's mercy triumphs, wins out over judgment. Thankfully, God judges each of us on the finished work of Christ on the cross and our faith in Him. He doesn't judge us for a single mistake. He won't condemn you after you've received Christ as your Savior for a single mistake, whether it be suicide or whatever, or multiple mistakes, because your salvation is not based upon what you have done. It's based upon what Jesus has done on the cross for you. If a person is an authentic Christian, they... And, 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 and people say, but they couldn't repent of that final sin of committing suicide. That doesn't mean that they now die lost forever. I want to say what I said earlier, and please listen and get this clearly in your mind. We need to be very careful that we do not limit the blood atonement of Christ. You are not saved by good works, neither can you lose your salvation by wrong works. Because... Your salvation is not tied to what you have done. It's tied to what God has done for you. And as I said earlier, it's not my prerogative. It's not your prerogative. It's not my role. And it's not your role to condemn someone to eternal hell. God is the one that's the judge, not us. We can make a judgment that I'm going to make the rest of this message that we ought to agree on. We can make a judgment that suicide is wrong. Amen? 
But that doesn't mean that someone that commits that wrong act as a Christian loses their salvation and goes to hell for all eternity. What I want to spend the rest of the time doing, because (laughs) I cannot begin to tell you how much I've wrestled with this message. Because I know there would be people here that have wrestled with suicide. And I know there are people here who even recently have had a loved one commit suicide. And I know there are people here who are even wrestling with the fact that they know their children are wrestling with suicide. I wanted to be clear. I tried, because we've got a little business session at the end of the message this morning. But guys, I, I couldn't cut it back. I couldn't scale it beyond what it is right now because I thought it was just so important that I be very clear. Because the Bible does not teach that a, that a Christian committing suicide will be lost for all eternity and go to hell. But neither does the Bible say it's okay to do it. So what I want to spend the rest of the time doing is, is just telling you why you should never commit suicide. Why you should never, ever think that that's an option for you to commit suicide. Just the chance, just the chance to be alive on this earth. And as Christians, to have the opportunity to be involved in what God's doing. Man, that's a marvelous gift. How dare we think about ending it ourselves? And ignore the marvelous gift that God has given us in life. Despite that, there are times when life is so difficult and unbearable that many people, if at one time or another, wish they were dead or wish they had never been born. For some, these feelings linger. And if they linger long enough, suicide will seem like it's the only option that the person might have. In the United States... And in similar situations in countries similar to ours around the world, the suicide rate has tripled among teenagers and young adults in the past 40 years. It's tripled. I dare say if we were to compare some statistics about the relationship that people have with Christ or don't have with Christ in that same age group, we'd find out that those things parallel each other really closely because they don't have hope. They don't have the hope of having a relationship with Jesus and and trusting God through whatever it is they're facing. So while I hope I've established this morning clearly for you that the Bible does not teach that if a Christian commits suicide, that means they're now lost and they go to hell. I want you to also clearly understand why you should never, ever commit suicide. I could give you more reasons than this, but I'm going to give you seven. Seven reasons why you should never commit suicide. The first one is this. God has created us in His image. I'm not going to read all these verses. I've taught through some of them, but the Bible tells us that in Genesis. In the spiritual image of God departed whenever man sinned. But now through Christ, that spiritual image is restored. Through Christ. God forbid that we as Christians should destroy the image of God by taking our own life. Second reason is this. God has a plan for your life. A great plan 
for your life. He, he created us on purpose and for a purpose. God has a specific plan in mind for each person. Jeremiah tells us this, for I know God is, is saying this. God is saying, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Ephesians 2.10, we read this last week also. We looked at verse 8 and 9 a moment ago. But in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are His workmanship, talking about us as believers, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has something that He wants you to do, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You should never commit suicide because God has a plan for your life. Don't ever believe that you don't have a purpose. Don't ever believe that your life is not worth living. God, if you're a Christian, has a plan for your life. Third reason is this. As a Christian, your body's the temple of God. 1 Corinthians tells us in chapter 6, Do you not know that your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, who, who is in you? Whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. See, here's really one good reason why you as a Christian should never commit suicide. You don't own your life anymore. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Jesus died and shed his blood, and through faith in Christ, God has bought you. You don't belong to yourself. Your life doesn't belong to yourself. Your life belongs to God. So how dare us short-circuit God's possession? By committing suicide. Fourth reason is this. It's really similar to what I've just said. Committing suicide robs God of using your life. Jesus looked at his disciples in, in Acts 1-8. And he said, you will be my witnesses. Jesus tells us in the great commission in Matthew 28 he tells us to go and make disciples and the tense of that is literally this as we are going in other words as we're living our lives as we are going making disciples is not a thing of you show up one night that the church is going to have a visitation and you decide you're going to go out and help make disciples and win people to Jesus the great commission is this as you are going living your life day to day you're supposed to realize God's commissioned you to make disciples so for us to commit suicide, that robs God of using our day-to-day life as we are going, making disciples for Him. Number five, God's plan is for life and not death. The Bible teaches that both physical and spiritual death are a result of our sin and disobedience to God but eternal life is a gift to those who receive it this is what Paul says in Romans 6 23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God once again you can't earn it you can't deserve it the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord Jesus taught that death and destruction are the work of Satan but what Jesus wants us to have is life in John 10 10 he said this the thief talking about Satan the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus said this, I've come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. That's what God wants. Satan is the one that wants to destroy you. It's his plan to talk you into suicide. It's God's plan for you to live. And this is what Jesus said about Satan. In John 8, 44, he referred to Satan as a murderer and the father of 
lies. So that means the feelings of despair that lead to suicide are caused by him. He wants you to be murdered. He wants you to take your own life. He wants to lie to you. When you hear someone whisper in your ear, your life isn't worth living anymore, you might as well end it. That's a whisper of Satan, it's not the whisper of God. When you hear something whisper in your soul, in your heart, you're without any hope at all in life. When you hear someone whisper in your soul and in your life, no one loves you, no one cares, you'd be better off dead than dealing with all these struggles you're going with in life. That is not God's voice, that's Satan and he's lying to you because he wants to destroy you. And it wants to rob you being used for the purposes of God. Number six. You need to think about what you're doing by committing suicide. What you're doing will do to your family and loved ones. You need to think about the influence and the impact. I already dealt with that early in the message. You might think it won't hurt anyone. It's just me. I'm just checking out. It's not going to hurt anyone. I'll beg to differ because I've been with family members that I have seen hurt tremendously because they had a family member, a loved one, a friend to take their own life. Number seven, and I think this is a biggie. (laughs) What excuse are you going to give God? I mean, Hebrew tells us it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. In other words, when you die, you're going to stand before God. What excuse are you going to give him? Though the moment you take your life and you check out of this life and you're standing before God, what excuse are you going to give God when, when God's asking, why did you do that? Why did you end your life that I gave you? Why have you robbed me of the opportunity of using your life? What kind of excuse are you going to give him? Well, one thing I have tried to tell people over the years is this. If, if a person, if a believer, if a Christian has enough faith to believe they can take their own life, believing that by doing so, they're going to instantly be in the presence of God for all eternity. If you've got enough faith to take your own life, thinking you'll wind up in heaven, that same faith that you have ought to help you make it through whatever the difficulty is you're facing in life that made you want to end your life to begin with. How are you going to explain that to God? God, I believed you enough that I took my life because I believed in Jesus and I knew I'm coming to heaven when I take my life. If you've got that much faith to make that type of final action that you can't reverse whatsoever, you ought to allow that same faith to give you the tenacity and the hope to make it through whatever it is that's making you want to take your life. I'm going to close by just covering really quickly some practical, some practical help. Because if suicide isn't the answer, what is? See, the solution to despair and hopelessness isn't suicide, but it's faith in God. And we'll need to cover these things really quickly. You can read a lot of the verses later. But first of all, you need to wait and hope for God to change things. David said that. We wait and hope for the Lord. He's our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice. You need to wait. Whatever it is you're going through in the moment, I promise you it can get better. You, you need to wait on God to, to help change things. 
You need to turn to the Bible and turn to prayer during times of despair and depression. Just like when you have ailments or an illness in your life, and you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you medicine to help with whatever the illness is that you're going through as a Christian emotionally. When you're going through that type of pain, what you need to do is turn to the Bible and you need to turn to God in prayer because God's Word in prayer can be like an antibiotic for your life. They, they can help you make it through your hopelessness. It can be medicine for your soul. Christ promises that he'll give you rest from your problems. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And if your problem is really this, if your problem is you have never, ever trusted in Christ for salvation, that's the first step to get you out of the darkness that you're in. That's the first step to get you out of the, the, the problems that you're dealing with. That's not to say all the problems go away, but it's to say that with Jesus, they're manageable. With Jesus, you can have some hope and make it through things. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, the first thing you need to do is trust in Him. Romans ten thirteen for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. John 1, 12, yet all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. Whatever you think about your life and how bad it might be, you can become a child of God by faith in Him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Later on in that chapter, verse 21, God made Him who had no sin, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the very righteousness of God. Because of salvation through the death of Jesus on the cross, we can have assurance of eternal life with God. Jesus said this in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. We read it earlier in the message, and he's crossed over from death unto life. Here's another practical tip. You need to talk to somebody. If you're wrestling with depression and feelings of suicide, don't keep it to yourself. Talk to a pastor, talk to a youth pastor, talk to a teacher, talk to a counselor, talk to a friend. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell somebody about it. And if you have someone to tell you about it, you need to get them professional help. It's not fun to have to call for a wellness check for someone. I have had people hate me for days until they figured out that I did what was best for them. I've had people call me to be suicidal. I've had people tell me over Facebook that they were sitting in their room with all they needed, some concoction they looked up online to commit suicide. And I have called the sheriff's department for a health check, and the officer go and find that they were about to do that. And the person trying to even fight the officer and try and run from them and be tased, be arrested, be taken to jail, be evaluated, be taken over to Broughton for several days. And I was there that night because they didn't have a family member that loved them enough to sign them in, and I had to sign them in. And that person hated my guts for days until they figured out that I love them and I try to preserve their life, and then they call me and thank me for it. It might not be fun, but if you find out that someone is tempted with suicide, you're, an under, you're, an under, you're even under a legal obligation to try and get them help. Talk to somebody about it. And last, I could go on with a lot of other tips, but last, you need to understand this. Because I think we get really hopeless when we don't understand this. You need to understand that your emotions, your depression, your discouragement that you're going through doesn't mean that you're a flawed, hopeless, 
good-for-nothing individual. Because in the Bible, there are multitudes of people that we think of as heroes of the faith that wish to die, that wish they had never been born. David, King David, wished that. Jeremiah wished that. Job wished that. Wished he had never been born. And yet through their faith in God, they sustained and they kept going. And God used them in great ways. Don't allow the devil to tell you because you wrestle with this depression, this darkness. That means your life's no good. That you're flawed in some way. Because God used people that had the same feelings and the same emotions. And God used them in a marvelous way. And He can use you also in a marvelous way. Conclusion, suicide is a grievous sin. It's a sin that hurts the heart of God and it hurts the, the heart of your loved ones, your family members, if you ever commit that. The pain of losing a loved one to suicide may not ever be fixed in this life. It might not be fixed until you see Jesus face to face in heaven and He wipes the tears away. Whether you're contemplating suicide or you know somebody who's taking their own life, God wants you to know there's hope and there's life for you. I recognize in this number of people, there might be some here that have family members that are wrestling right now with depression and feelings of suicide. There may be some here that's even considering ending your own life I want you to listen to something. I want you to open your ears and listen that God loves you and your life is valuable that He gave you and God has a purpose for you and He loves you no matter what you might think. God loves you. God wouldn't be God if He were not powerful enough to fix the situation, whatever it is that you find yourself in. I want you to keep these notes so if you've been taking notes along in the updates, I, I want you to take them home and keep them. You may need it for yourself one day, or you may need it for someone else one day. If you want the full manuscript, <laughs> right here it is. If you want the full manuscript for you to have and keep on file, in case you may need it one day for your life or to help somebody else, if you'll let me know, if you'll send me an email, I'll, I'll send you the whole manuscript. I'll do it every week if you want to. I, I mean, I'm not hiding anything. I'll, uh, you, it, may, it might give you more appreciation for what I do, <laughs> you know, to see, the, to see all that I go through in a, uh, in a week trying to get a message together. The message is not there now. It will be there probably by the end of the day, but the message will be online at day3church.org slash media. You may need to write that down so you can tell some friend that's going through discouragement or whatever, go and listen to this message. What we do need to do, and what I hope you'll listen to, is these, these final words before we pray and, and have this time of invitation from Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 and 20. God said this to the children of Israel, Today I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you made. Oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, committing 
yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. James chapter 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. In the moment of that darkness, resist him. Submit yourself to God. 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter writes these words, Cast in all, all, all your anxiety upon Him because He cares for you. Let's pray. Father, God, I pray to begin with that no one here has just heard part of the message. God, I pray you'll never, ever let the words of this message cause someone to think because they're a Christian that it's okay to take their life. Father, I pray no one here will ever be influenced by the actions of someone else to where they will follow suit and take their life because they've had a loved one or a friend or whoever it might have been to take their life. Lord, I know there's people wrestling right now in this place with financial burdens, with discouragement, maybe with, with, with illness and disease. And God, it's, it, it's easy to even look at our world situation today and, and, and want to give up hope. And, and the devil is about his job of lying to us and telling us we might as well give up. Father, guard us against hearing his words. Guard our hearts and our minds that we'll, we'll live our lives based upon the hope and the truth that you give us in Jesus. Father, I pray if there's someone in this place today that's wrestling with the thoughts of suicide, that they would just be honest and talk to you about it and talk to someone else. Father, I, I pray if there's, if there's someone here that's burdened because they've got a family member or a friend that's wrestling with suicide, or deep depression and discouragement, Father, I pray that you'd help them right now just to seek you and pray for that friend, or pray for that family member. Father, if there are people here that don't even have the beginning hope that they need to face life whatsoever because they've never, ever trusted in Jesus, God, I pray you give them the faith right now that they need to admit to you that they're a sinner that can't save themselves and to trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. Please stand. I invite you to please listen to the Holy Spirit of God. If you're struggling with something, you need to come and pray or need someone to pray with you. Don't worry about what anyone will think. We all are human. We all face struggles. Or if you've got someone that you love and someone you're concerned about that you need to come and pray for, we invite you to do that. Especially if you need that beginning hope in your life of trust in Christ. Will you come today and tell me we'd love to spend time with you after the service. As I was walking out of the service last Sunday morning, walking out of the, the second service last Sunday morning, I had a young teenage boy step over and tap me on the shoulder. and He said, I need to be saved. He went to my office. He trusted Christ as his Savior last Sunday in my office after the service. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, don't put it off. Please listen to God this morning.
Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.